No, he didn't slam you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On iRacing, the interviews podcast. We're in season two. We should be about halfway through by now. I reckon we've recorded that many in that many days. I'm Peter Wilco Wilkinson. I'm joined by the one, the only Braden Martin. But more importantly, you want to know, I want to know who the actual guest is. This man is a superstar of Anne's Car Broadcasts. He commentates and drives as good as he commentates, I reckon. Uh, he is also. The one you're sitting 38th in Anscar Xfinity series, equal with Braden Martin. Welcome to the podcast, Carl Withy. Yeah, hello, everybody. Yeah, I wouldn't say I drive as well as I uh, commentate because that would really be dispersing my commentating <laughs> skill. Because I, I think I'm a better commentator than driver. I was either having a dig at you or I was giving you a compliment. I don't yeah, know which one I was doing. It could be either or. And yeah, obviously, Brad Martin needs to get his act together because he's sitting in joint 38th position with me, which is that's just just not very good. <laughs> no, not at all. Both the same amount of races too. Very well done. <laughs> Uh, so for those of us who don't know from that really long introduction that I just gave you, who is Carl? Uh, well, I, I am a commentator for, I, I mainly commentate for FGM Ecast. I used to commentate for pretty much everything that has broadcast the Anscar series back in the day and now for OzPass as well. Um, we used to do the actual camera work for, for, for Anscar back in the day and started commentating because I was press ganged into it because uh, Edward Foster said, Carl, you're commentating now because we need a commentator. And that's how that happened. He likes to rope people into the commentary box, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah, very much <laughs> so. I've, I've known Ed since I moved to Australia, so it's been a, a long time knowing him, which is very painful indeed. Uh, but before that, I'm from England originally. Um, I'd be remiss to mention I used to work for Penske back in the day before I moved to Australia. So that was a cool part of my lifetime and career. Um, working for Penske in 2000 to 2003, building the uh, IndyCar and the, the kart championship season winning cars. Um, and a little bit of side work for McLaren F1 as well. But other than that, I'm just some loser in Adelaide nowadays. <laughs> Working for Team Penske, working for next to Stuart, working with all these people, calling people like Michael Scurlock winning races all the time, all this stuff. What else do you do though? Because I know you do something else because you've got a cosplay role in our Discord. So don't don't hold back on me here. <laughs> well, okay, I'm, I'm a slight cosplay nerd as well. Um, costuming is probably my biggest hobby aside from motorsport. So. Uh, generally medieval uh, slash historical cosplay and slight fantasy cosplay and steampunk cosplay. Uh, those are my big ones and it, it ranges off into a wide variety of things. And honestly, a lot of people in Adelaide know me more for my costumes than they do for probably anything else. Uh, <laughs> when I'm walking down the street, people don't actually know who I am. And then they'll see me at events, laugh and go, oh, hey, Carl, how are you going? And I'll be like, yeah, I saw you the other day. I was literally waving at you and you just ignored me as you walked past. And they were like, who are you again? Um, so, yeah, that's a constant in my life. That's okay. So, Brayden, have you ever seen this gentleman walking down the street dressed up in, in fancy gear? We've got to stop getting Adelaide people on the podcast, by the way. Can you note Dazelle? I, I may have. <laughs> I, I, I just guess I wouldn't have known it. Okay. There you go. Okay. So... Um, Let's start there. I want to start there. How, when did you start doing getting the cosplay and what drew you into it? Oh, costuming was like uh, about seven years ago, I think I started. I, I've sort of always been, had a slight interest in that kind of thing. Um, I, my first sort of costume event was um, just a Comic-Con and I just sort of went there in a very basic costume, saw all the other costumes around and went, I want to do this. So the next year I sort of did a full uh, Death Corps of Krieg inspired outfit from Warhammer 40k and was building the chainsaw until about five minutes before I was leaving for the con because uh, I started <laughs> about 24 hours before the convention started, of course, as you do. It's tradition. You have to make sure you start your build as late yeah. as possible. Uh, it is it is just how things work in cosplay. And um, after that, I was bit by the bug and going to all different places and meeting all new people. Uh, my my housemates that I live with now, we met through cosplay and we've been 
best friends sort of since for about the last five years and moved in together easy life and yeah it's just been a really good way of making friends and sort of making a sort of new group of friends because honestly that was one of the weird things moving to a different country was I didn't really have that many core group of friends and it was something to give me that chance to actually go out and meet people because I didn't have school over here I came over here as an adult so meeting people was sort of just one of those things that didn't happen too often and obviously I met a few people through motorsport connections and motorsport but we sort of meeting more more nerdy friends was yeah. a little bit harder and so yeah it worked out really well with that sort of uh that sort of point you know ever since that we've been doing locked on slash ultra super mega for you haven't said that name for a long time for like six seven eight years now and it's the one constant thing is it was like especially with conventions and and, and cosplay and, and even gaming groups like this that we're, we're in at the moment people like that's the key spot people find friends at the moment um, because it is so hard to go out there in the real world, especially if you're, you're distanced from all your school friends or you didn't like your school friends, which is a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of the case anyway. Um, being able to get out there into conventions and stuff like that, it's something that is really hugely important. And that's why we're sort of concerned with a lot of people at the moment because, you know, it's been two years almost since we've been to a convention, um, but we've still got this online aspect to it as well. So, where would you be without cosplay? Honestly, I, I honestly don't know. I, I sort of, I, I don't even know where I'd be living right now. Um, if, in all honesty, I'd probably be living on my own still, um, yeah. and that would be very expensive, uh, which is not fun. <laughs> so, I, so I wouldn't have money to do fun things. Um, <laughs> uh, not that I have money anyway, but you know, I'd have less money than I have now, which is a scary thought. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it, just a really large group of friends, and a big part of my life would be not there at the moment which it's one of those weird things to think about but I just sort of go I I can't imagine where I'd be without that it sort of was one of those things that actually got me out and about and actually got me sort of uh, a little bit more out in the open I guess and just a little bit more myself and uh, just having confidence really it really builds up my confidence and I can't imagine where I'd be like without that. I'm just working. I think I'd, I'd just end up just working, and that would be it. Working, no coming home, be. and sitting there. Yeah, you'd be like Braden, unfortunately. Um, where have you? Did you get across to Pax Oz at all? No, no. Um, oh. So usually it's um, Avcon, Oz Comic Con with the Oz Comic Con yep. in Adelaide. It's just generally Oz, uh, uh, Adelaide things. Um, yeah, sort of not gone into state yet for for anything for obvious reasons. The last few years. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, not had a chance to do any of the interstate stuff, but that is definitely something that's on the list to be doing. Uh, there's a big steampunk convention in New Zealand that I really want to get to at some stage. Yeah. That's on the list. There's no need yeah. to leave our beautiful state, Pete. We're, we're quite happy here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I was out at the Viking Festival on the weekend just to rub it into all those people in lockdown. Um, you know. <laughs> Look, honestly, Brain, we're happy with you there as well. So <laughs> it goes both ways. I'm pretty happy in this whole situation. <laughs> However, Carl, we'd like to get Carl out, get him into a few things. So, um, oh, look, hopefully next year you can join us at Pax Oz if, if and hopefully when it, it goes ahead because, yeah, the cosplay there is unbelievable. Uh, I know I've seen uh, Brisbane Comic Con multiple times and it's it's huge, but, yeah, Pax is on a whole different level. So hopefully we can get you to that. Now, we're on a racing podcast, I guess. Um <laughs> Have, I just need to know, have you ever commentated in cosplay? I know you've done a three-piece suit commentary, but have you done a cosplay commentary yet? Not yet, no. Um, okay. I've not I've not been running late enough after a costume event to, to actually <laughs> not get out of costume and have to commentate. Usually for work, I'm wearing a full three-piece suit pocket watch. I almost look like a, a steampunk anyway for my work. Um, <laughs> got cravats and everything like that in there just because I've, you know, got to dress up for work. It's much more fun. Um, yes, so, you know, I'm sitting there doing NASCAR commentary, dressed up in a full suit and bow tie <laughs> and just sitting there, you know. It, it makes it a little we, bit difficult to go boogity, 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 let's go racing, folks. It, you, sort of, you just feel like it's a bit wrong. We need to get Stuart. To put the, the webcam up. It just has to happen. Please. Surely when you're commentating NASCAR, you should have like a singlet and a mullet and <laughs> a can of beer in your hand or something instead rather than a three-piece suit. I feel like the trucker cap needs to come on instead of a top hat. Yeah. So 
uh, uh, Brayden, take it from the top. You know where to go from here. Let, let's get back into actual iRacing, I guess. Well, I wouldn't mind touching on the Team Penske stuff before we move on to the iRacing stuff. So how did all that come about and, and working for, um, obviously, dabbling with McLaren F1? That's pretty pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, It's a boring part of my life. Nobody wants to hear about that part. <laughs> um, so, yeah, effectively, uh, I was living in a place called Poole in England, and it's where uh, Penske had their Formula One shop. So back when they were racing in Formula One back in the 70s with John Watson, uh, they were building their F1 cars there. <clears throat> and it was a de- developmental shop for the kart series. Now, in 2000, they'd just gone to Delara, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, no, Reynard, sorry, Reynard. Um, <laughs> trouble as you get older, you forget things. Um, so they'd switched <laughs> to a spec chassis. And it was spec in the way that Penske has spec things in an the fact that they got the chassis from Reynard and then completely rebuilt it themselves. So there was about one thing on it that had Reynard and that was the badge. Um, <laughs> so they used that factory down in Paul because it had the full autoclave. It had everything. It, it, it was a full Formula One factory. It was huge. Um, and it had, it had everything you'd ever want to have down there. I mean, I could probably speak for about six hours on all the cool stuff they had in the, the just the lockup down the road, let alone just in the shop. But yeah, we got six hours. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did have the um, probably the, the one that interests most people is down in the storage shop. They had the ninety, I think it was the ninety two or ninety three um, car that Senna tested in, just sitting down there gathering dust. Um, and, and you're just standing there and you're, you're just like, wait, this is the car that Senna drove? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. I'm just going to stroke it a little bit. Um, Can I take it home, and, please? You yeah, exactly. That one, no one cares. Yeah. Look, you've just left it here. Surely you don't want it anymore. I'll happily take it. Um, so I literally sent a letter. Uh, it was I was watching uh, Race at Laguna Seca and they just mentioned that they, had, they, they were building the cars in Paul in Dorset. And that's where I was living at the time. And I'm like, well, I live here. I, I, I might as well just try and send a letter. So, fifteen-year-old uh, Carl just sends a letter to them, and uh, Martin Webster was one of the managers there. With um, uh, trying to think, he was the one that answered my letter, and I was kind of lucky in the fact that a couple of the mechanics and a couple of the um, the workers there knew my stepdad. Um, so, because he was a big bmw mechanic back in the day and so the surname sort of they picked up on my surname and they were like wait is this pete's son or something and they they sort of invited me in to have a bit of a look around the shop and i said look i will literally do anything i don't care i'll sweep sweep floors i will make coffee just please let me work for you i don't care what (laughs) i'm doing and they just went yeah sure you can have a job here i started working on sundays and then after about half a year i ended up working there about four or five days a week um, and pretty much left school and just started working for Penske. It was a, it was a bit of a crappy first job, you know. As when you talk about first <laughs> jobs, you know, you go, "Oh yeah, my first job was doing this. I, I was building racing cars. It was really, really boring." <laughs> so, how long did you do that for? Well, I was there for about three years uh, because they had to close up shop, unfortunately, because of the English tax system, yeah. and it basically forced them back to America because the having the the extra premises in England was quite costly and with them moving to uh, IndyCar so they moved back to IndyCar full-time which meant they didn't do any development on the chassis so the sort of the whole reason for that pool factory became null and void and it became redundant and it was only really used for when they were doing Goodwood Festival of Speed and stuff like that so prepping cars for Goodwood and stuff like that which was still kind of fun. I mean, I won't, I, I'll admit, you know, working on a car that Emerson Fittipaldi is going to drive around Goodwood is kind of a fun experience. Um, but it's, a, it's one of those things that, you know, it's not quite the same. And it obviously, it, it made no sense to keep it running. So they decided to close the shop. And that's pretty much the decision that forced me to go, well, bugger it, I'm going to move to Australia. So no did t- you take anything with you from Penske that, you know, that they didn't know about? <laughs> uh, there was nothing they didn't know about. I do have a few bits of carbon fiber laying around uh, from okay. a few of the old cars. Uh, <laughs> so they they sit around in bits and bobs, and um, I've obviously got a few signatures and autographs. I have um, Deferrin. I met Gilles Deferrin uh, when he came over for the celebration, and 
I, I, one of the weirdest jobs I had was actually decorating a cake for him. Um, so I, I sort of did a bit of everything at Penske from, you know, carbon fabrication to decorating cakes. So we made a cake of basically his helmet design and I had to do the decoration for that and uh, met him and, you know, he thanked everybody and got his autograph and all that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, it was just it was just a really weird experience. It was just it was great fun, but it was just super surreal. You just you sort of you'd finish your day, you'd walk, be walking out the factory and be like, I was making making heat shielding for McLaren today. That was a weird experience. I just like I, I never thought that would happen. Obviously, you said that you moved to uh, Australia. Was there any temptation to to follow Penske back to America instead and see if you could stay on the bandwagon or? There was, yeah. Like, I did, there was a lot of temptation to try and actually get into another team and get um, get into a position. Unfortunately, there was some slight health issues as well starting to creep up. Um, so they started to make their way in a bit more as I got a little bit older. And that made it much harder for me to do fabrication work. So I sort of had to think about the best decision, which was not doing something completely stupid for once and actually going for something that's going to be better for my health than possibly, you know, something that's going to end up with me not being able to keep doing it for much longer. Yeah, that sounds fair. Why Australia? Um, well, why not? It's wonderful. I mean, it has <laughs> I you guys over not, here. But, <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. If you turn around, everything can kill you. And I just thought that's... <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I saw this advertisement that said Braden Martin lives in Adelaide, and I thought, well, <laughs> I, I just have to, you know. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I was, was it, had some. Was it always over. Adelaide? Was it? Oh, okay. So you had family in Adelaide itself, or yeah. Okay. So I uh, had some family over here already, and it was just like, well, I've got nothing better to do. I might as well try and move to Australia, and you know, a, a lot of headaches and money and uh, pain and misery later, and but two years of trying to actually move over here and then finally I got the approval and was over here in about 2006 so landed um and then got a job in a pizza shop when I first got here so that was uh, that pizza was, shop <laughs> that, that was a career change <laughs> which, which one what, what who are you making pizza for uh the little place down in Aldinga called Jimmy's uh and Jimmy's. that's where I first met Ed because he saw my resume. He saw that I worked for Penske and went, <laughs> I need to hire this guy because I want yeah. to talk to him. Effectively, that that's how the interview went is, did you actually work for Penske? Yes. Okay, you work here now. You're yeah. going to be talked to for the you're rest mine. of your life. <laughs> so that's how that came about. Wow. Did you ever think that you would be, be... – when you sent that letter at 15, right, A, did you ever think you'd actually get a job and be working for Penske for three years? B – Move to Australia and then have that get you a job in a pizza joint, which then led to a commentary <laughs> career down the track. I must admit that was my plan. Um, <laughs> I, that was how I worked out my life. I thought this is this is my best way to get into commentary. Once uh, computers become strong enough that we can actually do sim racing on them <laughs> online, uh, I, I was a long term thinker. I've got to say, <laughs> apparently you were at fifteen. You really had your life sorted out. I like this. This is good. Brave. No, I, be more like I, Carl, please. My, my actual thought process was, I'm going to work for Penske. I'm going to earn enough money to get a go-kart, get a drive, and then I'll become a famous racing driver. Okay. Obviously, that didn't work out so well, so I fell back on the second plan. Okay, pizza. Always the second plan. Always the backup option. Um, so I'm still spinning around in lots of circles in my head, but did you always want to get into commentary? Was that a thing? I know you, you joked about it a second ago, but was that something that you sort of you enjoyed? Well, it actually was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. Um, I've been making YouTube videos for since about 2016 now and sort of doing a lot of that aspect as well. That's my other hobby, I guess. I forget to mention yep. that. You know, that's one of those other things that I do. Um, but talking and just generally talking is something I've always been good at. So I've always been able to talk myself into places and just keep talking for a long time and talk about nothing and uh, waffle on about things which has always been a great skill uh maybe not for people listening but for myself it's been useful um it's really bad so, for job interviews I, I do that in my job interviews and about half an hour the person said like one thing and i'm like oh, do you want to ask any questions like, no no you covered it all yep <laughs> you've got the job don't worry you're all fine it's like okay yeah. how did i manage that um <laughs> so oh with my health sort of going a little bit downhill, I knew I couldn't keep driving and things like that. That's something I wanted to do more of, but couldn't do that. The back injuries and things like that coming into play. 
So I, I sort of thought about commentating and sort of thought that would be kind of cool, but I didn't know where to start and didn't know what to do with that. I, I didn't think, first of all, I, my first thought process was I have a really annoying voice and I'm never going to be a good commentator because people are going to be absolutely miserable listening to me for more than half an hour. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> people, uh, people listen to Pete, so it's obviously <laughs> exactly. not, a, not a problem. So, I, look, I've probably mentioned it multiple times on podcasts, but I've never listened to a podcast I'm in before because I hate my own voice and just editing my voice, I just have to drown it out. So I understand that feeling altogether, but apparently 5,000 downloads in Australia strong and we're, in six months we're still going. So people apparently <laughs> enjoy annoying voices. So. Yeah, they, they must skip the Ansgar wrap-up. I mean, there's no way they listen to that. Oh, I don't know. We hide it at the end. I, I haven't got the <laughs> analytics on that. So... Um, uh, no, thank you so much, A, for doing that for us for so long because it saved me, like I said, about six hours a week of watching Anne's car, which is enjoyable, but I don't have six hours a week anymore. So it's it's, it's also a... it's also different when you're just watching for watching and watching for trying to have everything that you can then talk about. It's it's two yeah. very different things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I sit there with that. notepad and paper and then and then you either do a really good job and you do a 15 minute part on Anscar or you do a really bad job and it's a two minute thing on Anscar which makes no sense whatsoever so it's really hard to hit that that balance but you do it well you do it well so I must, just going back on that because when you first started covering us um it's you know thank you very much for covering Anscar I mean like, that was a big huge thing and it was just this just came out of the blue and we were like wait you're, you're covering us why are you doing that we're, we're not that important um no but, one's that important, but anyway, yeah. we, that's what we're here for. That's it, super. And uh, now you're covering Ozpass as well. It's like you can't get enough of me. It's it's strange, um, but it, it was a thing. And I, I heard you guys sort of, you know, having a couple of times where you were just a little, just it sounded like it was getting a little bit too much covering everything. And I, just sort of, I think I sent you a message being like, "Do you want a hand?" I'm, you know, yeah. literally happy to help. Like, and yeah, thanks for for letting me do that. I guess because yeah, it's been fun. It's it's a nice little extra distraction in the week for me. That's it. So you commentate four times a week, or are we talking five? I can't I can ever remember. Four times a week, thankfully. Four times um, a week. So the, the three Anne's car and the one Oz pass. How long have you actually been commentating for? When did we start? 2017, I think. So Four years. I think that was about it. Yeah, about four years. It's three or four years. It's about that. How did that come about? How did that process of getting to your first commentary gig happen? Well, as, as I did said, you ram uh, some off the road and get a, a penalty? That seems to be the way people are doing it. No, no, I, I wasn't actually, I didn't have iRacing or anything back then. I literally <laughs> had, I, I didn't have an iRacing account. I didn't have anything like that. Um, obviously, as I said, I've known Ed and James Foster for a long time and they had told me to get iRacing and get a wheel and all this usual stuff. And I'm like, I can't afford that. Like, so be silly. <laughs> And I'm not good enough to do that. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I just sort of, I, when I first started, I literally just had a Xbox controller. And that was, that's sort of how I first got around in iRacing was using a controller, which was horrifically bad. I don't recommend it. Um, but <laughs> That'd I, be I, most of the people you're racing against at the moment, Braden, wouldn't it? It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> I, I probably had better luck when I was using the controller, <laughs> but um, no, I sort of ended up getting a full rig now, and you know that's been really, you know that that's been a godsend because it's much more comfortable to race in, and I can actually do racing now, which is nice. But when I first started, I just had the account for watching races and literally just doing commentary things. So it was that's the only reason I had iRacing was for commentary purposes, and it was about probably about a year maybe a year and a half before I actually did my first race. Um, and that was with Anne's car as well. I think I did a couple of official races, but it was mainly, I've mainly just been racing with Anne's car, just doing the ovals here and there when, when I'm not commentating. And there were a couple of series that didn't have commentary back then that I could actually race in. So that long ago, it feels, feels like a long time ago now, but we did have races where we didn't commentate over. Yeah. Um, so... They did they approach you or did you approach someone or Ed just said you have to do this, we need you personally? 
Uh, it was uh, Carl. You're doing this. You have no choice. Okay, um, you have no so, choice. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, literally just knock on the door, open it, and standing there with a bat, just saying, "Look, you're, you're commentating now. Um, you, you do this YouTube stuff. You know how to talk. You can commentate. You're fine." Um, so I think my first, my very first one was at Sonoma. Um, that was my what very a shit first track. Race. I mean, what a bad track. Sorry. Yeah, it's everybody's favorite Sonoma, oh, no. <laughs> and. Uh, Literally, the the two things I was given when we when we first started was one, Jason Martin's probably going to win because he's the quickest, <laughs> uh, and two, don't swear. So that, that yeah. was all the information I was given before the start of the season, and uh, I, I knew nobody. I just literally was just thrown in there and just was like, oh, and here's uh, Mister Mockle Scolock, uh, <laughs> uh, and that that's where the uh, bad pronouncing pronunciation of names started way back then when I. Just did not know who anybody was. Yeah, so you got short names for everyone, which is the way to do it. Uh, I saw Stevie Dub joined our Discord the other day too. Welcome Stevie Dub to the um, to the channel as well. So and I've got Braden talk soon, but I'm just still fascinated about this whole getting into the Anne's car and the commentary side of things. Had ovals racing always been a passion, or you'd always had an interest in it, or it's just that's what I'm doing now. Oh, no, working at Penske had me completely not interested in oval racing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, see, I'm, I'm trying to work out exactly, yeah. So, obviously, you had the Penske connection, so... Yeah, the, on the oval side of things, I've been a huge... I've, Ameri- yeah, I'm a cool. fan of American racing for a long time. Uh, motorsport okay. has been in my blood since I was born. Um, I've been a huge fan since the, the day that I first understood what a car was, and... Never looked back and been following any motorsport I can. I'm a huge Formula One fan. Um, Formula One is my main passion, but then Le Mans, um, endurance racing, that's I sort of got into that in the 90s. And obviously, American racing as well. Sort of uh, Nigel Mansell got me into IndyCar of all things uh, when he went over there and joined Indy. And from yeah. then on, it was, you know, when Jacques Villeneuve came over, it was a thing to sort of scout out for. And I was a huge fan of Juan Pablo Montoya as well back in his Formula 3000 days, which really shows my age. And I'm just like, I feel so old right now. It's terrible. Like, I remember watching uh, Montoya racing at Monaco in the F3000 and they were talking about him moving over to America to start racing for Champ Car and I was like okay we'll have to give this a watch and you know they followed Champ Car from then on as well and uh, yeah it sort of snowballed from there I mean NASCAR I I did follow a bit and I I used to love the NASCAR games back in the day things like that but I'm not quite a rabid NASCAR fan Um, that side of things I, I know a bit about and I know enough about to get me through for commentating but I probably um, more knowledgeable on open wheelers and sports cars. Okay, cool. And that's where your Skippy Skippy heritage comes in now. You're racing Skippies as well. So um, what tracks have you been to in real life? Since over in England, they're all like next to each other. So you've, I'm sure you've been to them all. Well, I haven't actually. It's one ah. of the weird things is living over there, I didn't take much time. I went to Fruxton a lot. Um, so Fruxton is one of my all-time favourite tracks. And I used to spend most of my time at Fruxton because that was quite close to me as well. Uh, sort of where I lived was very much the South Coast. So it wasn't that much close to us. You know, it, everything's more middle of England. And it, it's it, it's strange living in Australia because, you know, everything is about six million kilometres away <laughs> over here. And that's just <laughs> close to you. Like you sort of yeah. go, oh, a seven-hour drive, that's just next door. Yeah, in England, it, to, to get to Silverstone would have taken us like about three hours. And that's a million miles away. That's way too far away. That's going to end up being uh, a journey that's going to take about six years to get to because of traffic. So <laughs> yeah. things like that you didn't tend to do. Uh, Le Mans, uh, I've been to the Circuit de la Sarthe. Um, that was my big one back in 2001. And uh, that one that one was a very epic weekend and getting to meet a lot of very cool people there like Derek Bell and... Uh, Martin Brundle, uh, Andy Wallace, and pretty much the whole Bentley team, which was, uh, that was a fun experience, but I won't go, unless you want me to, I won't go too much into it. Go, go, go for it, go for it, (laughs) we're going everywhere. Um, No, we'll we'll start getting halfway through, so we'll get back onto the topic again. Um, Braden, do you want to ask some questions? (laughs) Well, I guess, so you said that you finally got a rig after starting with your Xbox controller and <laughs> trying to make your way around the track. I remember when I first tried out iRacing, when I loaded Boot Camp onto my MacBook Pro to just try and figure out what this whole thing was about. 
I connected it with an Xbox controller and very quickly realized, well, this is impossible. You can't, you can't possibly uh, do this with a controller. So what what uh, are you racing with these days? I'm racing with the uh, Frostmaster TSXW um, the base with the Ferrari wheel on it. Um, with the nice seat and everything, bucket seats and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a nice little compact rig. Um, and there's a sort of the basic pedal setup with a... Uh, with the brake adjuster in it. So it's got the, the little sprocket on the brake to, to make the brake a little bit stiffer uh, with the um, potentiometer. So just to help make the actual brakes feel like brakes rather than just a massive spring, because oh, it, it's not fun driving with just the stock pedals. Um, I, I did that and it was just, it makes so much difference just having an actual brake pedal that feels like a brake. In VR or screens or? I have got VR. Um, I've got the uh, the Hewlett Packard G2, um, and I used that for a little bit, and then it crashed on me every single chance it could. <laughs> so I went back to my screens. Um, I've got dual thirty eight inch monitors on my desk, so they're nice and big screens, and I pretty much just drag eye racing across, and sort of it's it's not very well set up, but it works. So that's the main thing. Yeah, I'm, still, I'm very, I'm still intrigued about the uh, the VR stuff. I, I'd like to give it a go at some point, but it's like I've commi- I've committed to my setup now, so it's it's a big change, and I'm so used to it. So it's um yeah. I've got to say, it is amazing racing in VR. Um, I probably gained about a good second, second and a half just through VR alone, just because you get that sense of feeling, and you can actually see the lip of curbs you can see it's really weird being able to actually see the the slight raises on the track and seeing where you can and can't go um it it really helps a lot with depth perception it really helps a lot with the cornering and just feeling like you're there and you can really get a good sense of of how things are going but the big issue for me was just the fact it would especially if you're running quite a few cars on track it does tend to crash quite often Mm -hmm. and i found steam vr tended to be a big issue for me of just constantly failing and that's been the biggest issue is just the steam vr is just not quite working properly it just every time it's sort of going well it will then suddenly fail on me and when it fails mid-race it's not fun Uh, (laughs) i think it was scurlock the other week he was driving around his vr failed on him he took it off and actually, because you still have the image up on the screen in front of you, you can basically drive without the VR headset. It's very hard, but it, yeah. you can still do it. And when you're somebody that's skilled and able like him, you can actually get away with it. <laughs> but I unfortunately do not have that talent. So uh, I end up just crashing and causing a massive I, wreck. I think it's a really good thing to drive in. Driving VR. Driving in VR is really good. I think racing in VR lacks something. I know it's supposed to be more realistic, but because you don't have the peripheral that you would normally have, you are literally blinkers. So you have to look forward or you have to move your head right and left to, to see where where people are next to you. you it, it's not quite as the same thing. So when you're battling side by side for someone, you're not concentrating on what's ahead. You can only concentrate on the, either the person beside you or the person ahead. It's not like in, in real life where you can, or even with triples, you can sort of glance over and, and watch both at once. So I'd honestly, I, I, I would agree with that kind of, but I'd also disagree with it in the fact of when you're actually racing with a full helmet on, you basically get the view of VR anyway. You don't really get that depth of field when you're actually racing with a full helmet on. You sort of have that slightly enclosed vision. And if you've done much racing with the full skid lid on and stuff like that, you sort of get an idea. You, you, you sort of get used to turning to look at everything. Yeah, And I found that, Going into VR just had me straight back to racing with a helmet on. It took me back to my go-karting days and stuff like that. I went instantly back and was like, yep, this is just normal. And everything yeah. felt right. When I started racing with wider monitors and actually had a nice wide field of view, I ended up having more problems because I sort of, I'm fine with it now, but in the start, it was almost like I had too much field of view. And mm-hmm. because I could see that car to the left of me, I was like, oh God, there's actually a car left of me right now. This yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> um and if you don't have the field of view right, it, it's sort of out too, and they seem to be coming faster than they actually are. I've had that a few times where I think someone's dive bombing me, but they're actually it's just the the angle that they're at, and the and the field of view is not quite right. Very much so. Yeah, it, it's a really weird feeling, and it's sort of as yeah. I said, I I found VR to be quite 
good in the fact it takes you back to that sort of helmet being inside of a helmet sort of situation yeah. where you you sort of get used to that um but i must admit just having a nice wide field of view does make a big difference it, it's yeah. just the nice other, not having to worry about it the other thing is the eye tracking like i didn't have i like eye tracking needs to get a lot better so instead of you looking that way with the with the corner of your eye and and being able to get it clear over there it's actually blurry so that's where you have to move your whole head um, and that's what I found a little bit disjointing, which I, I, I loved racing and I loved doing all that. It was actually that I'm streaming that I don't do it because you yeah. can't, it's really hard to get everything up there streaming. And I really hate the fact that someone was watching me with a headset on and I couldn't see what was really going on. So that's why I stopped doing it. But yeah, the, the eye tracking, once the eye tracking is perfect and, and they can sense when your pupils move like different directions and, and, and clear that up for you, then that's the better, that's when it's going to be better still, I reckon. Uh, and as you said, when you're streaming or recording, it makes a huge difference as well, because I, I don't think watching people in VR is quite as comfortable as it is watching from a screen, because you get that movement of the head and everything looks like yep. it's bobbling around a bit too much. It's kind of, it's like seeing the helmet cam in you know, Alonso's helmet cam over at Spa um, a few yep. months back. You know, it's amazing to watch, but you really want, wouldn't want to watch a whole race through that. I've actually got people who have been seasick uh, watching the VR streams. So, yeah, it's it's one of those many reasons why I pulled out of it. But, yeah, it's a great great experience, Brain. I would see if you can borrow someone's yeah, and just yeah. have a crack at it and just, just get – because I don't think you'll do it permanently, especially with the rig you got behind you. So. <laughs> what, uh, what set did you use, Wilco? Uh, I, Oculus uh, Quest. Yeah. And I've got the Quest 2 there. So, so the quest, the other problem was the quest wasn't quite powerful enough. So the pixels, it was a little bit blurry. So if the car was anything further than probably 15 meters in front of you, you couldn't quite, you could make out colors and you couldn't, you could make out that they were there, but you couldn't make out who it was really. Um, so it was just like, okay, where in my triples, I can go, okay, there's Bernie down there or there's, I know what car it is because I know that the, the decals, but in VR, in the Oculus Quest was a bit different. The Quest 2, I haven't tried it with yet, but it, it'll be obviously better resolution, so it should be better. Yeah, I, I tried it out with the Quest 2, first of all, from a friend to see how it went. And yeah. the, the, the thing I found with the Oculus is it is quite a narrow field of view, but also yeah. it does lack resolution for distance. That's why I went with the G2 because it's yeah. got a little bit better resolution. So it, it that distance resolution is better, and you can actually pick up things a little bit better in that respect. And I think but, that's where it is. It yeah. is, is you've got to spend the money to get over the hurdle of VR. That's so it. VR is probably not the best until you spend X amount of dollars and and, and you, you've lost half and your things your, like that. Yeah. yeah, see stuff like that. Cool, great. That you're not going to have a problem because they're built for it. Uh, the, the, the quest is built for lots of other things, just not eye racing. <laughs> the other big issue is um, I, I'm a op massive optical nerd, so anything optical, I'm just straight on it. That's my daytime job, but I wear glasses <laughs> as well. So it, I, I sort of, I tinkered with it so it works for me, but it was a lot of tinkering, and I've had to do a few custom lenses and stuff like that, and that's something I can luckily, you know, play with, but not so easy for other people, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Also, triples a lot less face sweat. Yes, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, this is I, true. I, I first tried VR in the summer, and uh, yeah, it was very sweaty. Um, it's not comfortable. I used to crash into people after the race. We don't do that anymore because that's a no-no in Oscar. Uh, Aussie car, sorry. Um, but I used to crash into people and I had to remember who was actually wearing VR because a few times I crashed into Nathan Verney and flipped him and he, <laughs> you'd hear this, oh, almost like he was about to throw up because of how many flips he did. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that too. I thought that was just uh, during the race that you crashed into him, not after the race. I've oh. never... Oh, I don't know if I have actually. I've been not saying... There's been 100 races. I'm sure at some stage I probably <laughs> crashed into Verney. Um, yeah, it's been a terrible season i won't swear too much um so are we seeing you in aussie car skip barber soon is that that's the question you've joined the server the oh, like, server. I, i've got to talk to people next that's that's the scary part but it is definitely something i'm looking at possibly trying to get up maybe a one race in the season at some stage because obviously thursday nights are tricky because we've got the cup on they are. um so it's uh but the it, cup's not oh, that's sorry the cup's not always on no, soon. it's it's not on. Uh, we when we're recording that we do have an off week, um, yep. 
but I've got to talk to people about stuff like that. So that's the next thing. I'm going to get over the hurdle actually talking to people. That's that's just hard to do. Um, but I would love to give Aussie Car a go because I've seen some of the races and they look so much fun. I'd really love to actually put myself to the test and actually see how slow I am compared to you guys. Yeah. There's plenty of people. We've got a whole regard team for those down the back of the field wanting to look for some fun. Uh, so that that's we, we cover it all. We've got Braden who loses from up front and then we've got the rear guard at the back. Uh, so... What was that like? So Ed Foster tells you to get into iRacing, right? You get into iRacing with a controller. What's the first car you go pull up and try and drive? Uh, the first car I pulled up and tried to drive was the Cup car because that's what I had. Um, and yeah. that's what I was commentating on. So I'm like, I should probably <laughs> test this around Sonoma with a controller. Uh, and that really didn't go well. Um, oh, that yeah. put me off driving in iRacing for a while. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah. And what? What's it like commentating with your friend Stuart? That's the other question I need to ask because there's a few times where I think he, your wealth of knowledge puts him off and baffles him. I'm a bit of a bastard. Um, I'll, I'll put it that way, in the nicest possible term. Uh, I do like to stump people. We've recently... It happened in Ozpass when we were switching between the races. I decided to do a pop quiz. I think it was at Hockenheim. And ever since then, Stuart has been like, we need more pop quizzes. Just just make more of them. But not necessarily for the Opal stuff, because I know nothing about that. Uh, okay. So I like to try and baffle them a little bit with the odd random question here and there. And it, it's usually, there are a fair few things I just have off the top of my head. And then there are a few things I have to research. Most of the European circuits I'm fine with. The American stuff I do struggle with a little bit because some circuits I'm a little bit less knowledgeable. And as I said, NASCAR things, I actually have to do a little bit of research, but I always love baffling him. It's just one of my most enjoyable hobbies, uh, especially in commentary. Um, just, uh, I think it was um, a few races back, I was talking about uh, the the flocks and just, just their success in the early days. And that's kind of that's something I just knew off the top of my head. And he was just like, what the flogs? He just had no idea who these people were. <laughs> and we just lost it afterwards. I'm just like, the flogs? What are you talking about? He said, that's what you said, wasn't it? And I'm just like, no, Stuart, no. Uh, uh, but yeah, what, it, it's good fun. It, what would you recommend for anyone looking to get into commentary? What should they be doing uh, to practice or get ready for it? Or, or how would they open said doors? Well, I think commentary-wise, one of the good things is to talk to people. I mean, you send a message to a commentator that you listen to that's that's a good starting point but you've really just got to jump into it um i, I know you've, you've spoken to ryan jones a couple of times unfortunately we have to speak to him, him. Oh, yeah. pain pain and pain in our ass <laughs> i think uh, but, i see i'm ahead of him in the nscar uh, xfinity series anyway so it doesn't really matter that's the main thing as long as you've beaten ryan jones then that's a good week um <laughs> he just he's always needs to beating that boy that's it. Uh, but he he basically he got a uh, a couple of race bands for his uh, driving standards, we'll say, uh, and ended up having to join us in the commentary booth. And he was just like, I've got no idea what I'm doing, and just jumped in there. And he just took to it like a duck to water. Making Having a go at it is the important thing. Like, Just don't be scared. You're going to be nervous the first time, probably. That's fine. But just be yourself as well. And just keep an eye on what's going on as well. Keep an eye on the actual action and just try to keep a, keep a focus on the important things that's the hardest thing to actually get at first is keeping an eye on the important battles is, is keeping an eye on the timing screens you always want to have a timing screen up so you can see what's happening and so you can jump back to those battles and sort of keep an eye on that sort of aspect but just be yourself and honestly that's going to be the thing that's going to help you most in commentary yeah i think um i was just gonna say we watched we did the petite le mans on the weekend um and we streamed it obviously i didn't race but that was one of the most fascinating parts of the whole race was the fact that I had the timing monitor up and I'm watching, okay, this person pitted here and this is how many lengths they're going. We got down to the point where what was nine and a half hours in the race and there was 0.5 a second between us and the guys behind. And I'm, I'm trying to yeah convey to my team that these guys are on a different strategy to us. We're actually about 15 seconds ahead. Um, and then they crashed into the leader of the race, which then took the leader of the race out. And it was just fascinating just watching the timing screen go up and down. I, I could have done that all day. But, yeah, Braden, you've got a question? 
Well, I was just going to say, when are we going to see Pete in the Ants Car commentary box? He's been, he's been trying his hardest to get in there. No one will let him in. <laughs> We've got a pretty heavy duty lock on the door to keep him out. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> he's, he's banging on it. He's banging on it. That's pretty fair, to be honest. I, <laughs> you keep that lock going. Um, oh, I don't have we're... enough time in my life. Seriously. You know that. We are always happy to get more commentators in the booth so that I can do less work because uh, I don't like working. I, I'm happy to sleep. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you you want to race. You want to race now, apparently. Yeah, um, there is that. <laughs> so what, what do you think? Of, what we, We've got you on at the right time of year. I don't actually know if we're going to get this in, but the Cup Series, where the Cup Series is at, what, what are your expectations for the future of the Cup Series as the rest of the season? Oh, uh, well, we're... Currently, as we're recording this, we're just in our break. So we've got five races to go. Um, yep. So this By the time we get it out, you'll be about three races to go. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have finished the cup season and be in yes. 2023 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, at the moment, it, it's pretty close at the top. Obviously, with the cup, there is the chase aspect, which it sort of it confuses a lot of people because it's yes. a very different... <laughs> Uh, format for championships and i can just see you both like going yeah it confuses we don't understand it i mean this this is weird luckily got to this point let's just start again and yeah. i you were involved but you can all race but you're involved and you're in a championship you're not but you race okay it's okay <laughs> it's less complicated than real nascar at the moment then that's the main thing we do not want to get too too much like real nascar because that stuff you know when you've got if you pass lap 66 and you're in fourth place, you'll get 700 points. But if you're in sixth place, you'll get no points. And then if you're in P2, you'll get disqualified. Uh, you know, it's ridiculous. Some of the rules they have in NASCAR at the moment is so bloody complicated and confusing. And, you know, the, the stage racing and all that kind of stuff, it just it takes away from the spectacle. So we, we end up going for the chase sort of format so that, you know, the last 10 races, effectively top 10 in the championship, Last two years, it's been top 11 because the top 10 have tied for that P10 position. Yep. Um, just randomly. Just, I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like that spat of um, we had about three or four races where everybody set the same time and we're just like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> yeah. um, our, our top 10, but it's been 11 every time you've done it. Exactly. It's 10. Believe yeah. me, it's 10. <laughs> just, yeah. just go with it. <laughs> it is a top 10. We're, we're not doing more than 10. How did you get but in? I got 11th this year. I want to get in. Every yeah. other 11th person got in. Yeah. <laughs> How did you? How did seven of you get joint tenth place? This is not fair. It's not a top seventeen, damn it. Um, so yeah, there is that bit, and then it effectively resets, as you said. Those top ten, uh, they they start with the winner of the regular season championship, which was Micklemore this year. He gets a point advantage over the rest of them by about I think it's like one point, and then it goes down one point down towards tenth, okay. eleventh place. So it's not too confusing. Yeah. Um, Luckily, because I my, my brain would explode. Um, well, I figured is that why Edward picked this one because it was less the most less confusing and then didn't hurt his head as much. I assume. I, I think so. I think that's pretty much why Ed, Danny G, and Matt Hunter chose this this format because it's much less confusing. Um, the Anscar has been done always doing a great job, and you know Danny G and Matty Hunter and Ed are always working hard on it as well. And the, the format works as well. And that's the main thing is it does work quite well because. At this stage of the championship, if you just go with the top 10 in the championship, you're going to end up with a points advantage. You may end up with the leader having a points advantage of, you know, 200 points at this stage of the year. Yeah. So having the chase in there just resets everything and gives everybody a little bit of a chance. So it's sort of, it, it makes it a little bit more fair. Yeah. But it's also kind of unfair to the guy that's been doing really well all year. Yeah. So Yeah, cool. You don't lose a race all year, but all of a sudden you start one point ahead of the person behind you and you lose there you have bad luck for a season you miss the champ you miss the championship so. yeah eight bad races at the end of the year you, you've won every single race in the year but you have eight bad yeah. ones at the end of the year you lose that championship and, and and that's the kind of the point of it so the chase in that respect it makes it it makes it a little bit more interesting it gives us something to, to yeah. actually it, broadcast it, re- it replicates in a very bad way the the obviously the premier premierships of, of team based um, sports, which are obviously big things. Cool, we get the semi-final series. That kind of stuff is what they're going for. That's it. Yeah, it's having a final sort of a final yeah. series. It it stops. You know, obviously, you know, Formula, if we go back to Formula One, we've we've had the Lewis Hamilton domination. We had the Schumacher yeah. domination, and when Schumacher's winning halfway through the championship season, it gets a little bit boring. You know, you, yeah. you know, when when somebody wins halfway through a season, you just go, well, what's the point in watching the rest of it? You want what V8 had a couple of years back where um, Wind Cup beats McLaughlin on the last lap 
of the yeah. of the race for the championship. That that's what they that's what they all dream of, and but it very rarely happens. Honestly, that's what we would love, and that's what yeah. we kind of hope for. And with the chase format, you kind of get that a little bit. Is you know, I think there's currently like fifteen points between first and second, which is a lot less than it would have been without the chase. I think it's Jason Martin in the lead with Foster in second and I haven't used memory now, which is hard, but it's pretty close up there. And it, it's been, it's been rough on somebody like Josh Micklemore, who's had a bit of a rough start to the chase season. He's dropped down a fair few positions, but then somebody like Foster who had a really bad year, he's had a good couple of races in the chase and all of a sudden he's back up there. Uh, Neil Pearson was having a great run this year in the chase. And for the first half of the chase, sorry, first half of the season, I should say, and he was sort of up there at the top all pretty much to the half point of the season. And then his year went a bit downhill. And then through the chase, he's had a bit, he had a really good start, of course. DPR taking out uh, all three positions at the first race, taking out the triple. And then it sort of got a little bit worse and he's had a bit of bad luck and he's fallen down. Um, so it makes it a little bit more interesting and can add some interesting results in there as well. So that's what we like about the chase format. And as you said, where it stands at the moment, I, I wouldn't like to bet on a winner. I mean, Jason Martin is, you've got to say Jason Martin's looking good because he's always quick. I mean, he is just a freak, that guy. Um, and some of the lap times he pulls out of nowhere, you just go, where did that come from? Mm. But consistency is also key. So you've got people uh, who are sitting there, like uh, Hamish Gallagher is having a really good season. Um and he's been having a really good run in the chase as well. Michael Skurlock as well. He's sitting there in fourth, I think. So, you know, those two could just be dark horses and they'll come out. And if they get a good couple of runs, then all of a sudden they'll be leading the chase and they could well take out the championship. Yep. Um, what do you, what's your thoughts on the success of Ozpass at the moment? It seems to be going from strength to strength as well. It's crazy. I mean, I, I started Ozpass last year, so I got roped into that one. Uh, Stuart held a gun to my head and said, you're commentating for Ozpass now. And I said, okay, uh, th- this is, this is how you get into commentating folks. Is okay. You just generally have somebody force put you put your head in front of a gun. Not yeah, to sell Braden. Can you, can you take that down? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jot that one down. Um, so I, I was told I'm commentating for Ozpass now. Um, and I was like, okay, do I have a choice? No, um, no choice for that. So I got into that one and it was, it, it, it was a little bit scary at first because obviously I've been doing a lot of I've been doing NASCAR commentary for a while, so it's a very different series with GT3 cars. You've got to commentate on left and right turning. It's weird. I know this whole turning right thing. I don't understand it. What what right yeah. turns? Like who would have thought something like yeah. that would exist? It's you've scary. Got to use the other tires. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. What's this? What's this whole thing? The steering wheel that turns right. It's just wrong. I mean, you know, what will they think of next for motorsport? Hills. Yeah, probably. There'll be these things called hill climbs coming up next. Oh, gosh, what a strange world we live in. Um, But getting into that, obviously, my sort of knowledge of GT3 cars is pretty good. And endurance racing has been a passion of mine for a very long time. I mean, I used to watch back before it was back before internet streaming was a thing. Uh, I, I basically, the way I would watch Le Mans over a weekend or the Spa 24 hours or uh, Nurburg 24 hours was literally with the timing screen in front of me listening to it over the radio so mm. I, I had experience in endurance racing from that aspect so that's helped me a lot in the fact of knowing how stint lengths work and knowing sort of strategy calls and things like that it's one of the things I, I I'm sort of I feel like I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes when I sort of say yep this guy's going to come in this lap and they actually pit I'm like oh, I called <laughs> it right that's amazing yeah. um always feel chuffed about that and uh it's something i'm quite good at working out sort of off the top of my head but that comes from years of watching motorsport and knowing sort of generally how that's going to play out anyway so that helped me a lot for the gt3 stuff and the ospart series has been magnificent i mean there has been such good racing in there and it can be very hard for gt3 racing because it is a very different series and especially with having what five gt3 cars in there now you've got the mclaren you've got the merc mm. you've got the beamer the porsche um and lamborghini and ferrari, lamborghini uh, ferrari six yeah. there we go <laughs> so you know it, it, there's so many different cars in the field now and that's been crazy but they the admins over there do such a good way of balancing everything and keeping everything semi sort of 
regulated and that having a fixed setup obviously helps in that respect because you know people don't have to spend weeks working on a setup and it's a nice short uh, short race you know about 40 50 minute races to the enduros you know but it is still nice sort of short decent length for people to watch and uh you know sort of it's a nice enjoyable one to call as well we're we're getting oz pass 2 coming in Uh, that's actually starting this season uh, and that's going to be sort of for anyone to jump in effectively so it gives people the chance to race and race for a position in the Ospass series proper next season if they win that Oz 2 championship then they get into the the top yeah. series so that's a nice little stepping stone for people and it gives people the opportunity as well that miss out on the opening stages of the season because obviously um Sam Lehman and uh Maddie Cartagoni and the, the other admins over there they will they make the qualifying session for the season and um saw Tim Harris he did an amazing job in qualifying getting mm. up into the pro positions and um uh, one of you yeah, we... and Nathan Vern. Nathan uh, Vern, he just missed out on yeah. amateur, unfortunately. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I saw him over there uh, in the qualifying, um, yeah. and I, I saw where he just missed out, and it was literally a couple of tenths of a second he missed yeah. out on it, and heartbreaking to see. But that's why the Oz Pass, the Oz Two series has come in, so people can actually yeah. still race because last season there were so many people that turned up, it surprised everybody, and we were just like, mm. well. Where did all these people come from? And they'll pack fields every week. It was ridiculous, and it's great to see. It it does make our life a little bit harder because you know trying to trying <laughs> to actually go through forty odd cars on a uh, formation lap, talking about the qualifying positions and trying to remember all of the different names and different teams and all that kind of stuff is yeah. is a nightmare. That that's the worst thing about commentating is trying to remember teams and names, but. Yeah you'd sort of you get used to it after a bit of time and it gets easier and once you start getting that sort of recognition for people it does become a lot easier and i must say honestly the podcast has helped me a lot for that because it's sort of given me a lot of people who i n- wouldn't normally see or hear racing um it's it's the it's interesting thing since we started covering all this we're seeing all these names pop up in different places and um it's been quite interesting seeing the community how how varied they are in that but I guess, yeah, when, right. I guess when you've got average drivers like Shane Wallace uh, turning up and having a run around <laughs> in your series, it's normally a good way to promote it. Yeah, that's it. The Shane Wallace bloke. I mean, nobody knows who he is. But we got uh, Shane and you know, um, Boyd, uh, Boyd's as well. And there's just so many drivers coming in as well. And uh, full metal racing drivers as well as sim racing drivers. And it's great to see those guys having a go and actually enjoying themselves and that's been one of the things i've enjoyed most is actually hearing those guys in the post-race interviews or just chatting to them after the race or in practice sessions and just how much fun they've been having yeah. uh, there's a young guy lachlan capel and yes. he, he's he is so taking young. the anscar world by storm isn't he now yeah he is he is so young it's disgusting <laughs> he, he's 15 and it's like you, you, you're chatting about him going i'm old enough to be your dad oh god <laughs> this is a horrible feeling yeah. um and you're just sitting there being like, I'm old now. This is it. That's yeah. over. That's the end of space for me. But seeing him do so well and just seeing him improve every week and stuff like that is great to see. And you know that he's going to do well. You know, that's yeah. the thing. You can see a future for him. And, you know, other drivers coming in and you sort of, you get some random person turning up and they do well. And you're like, this is really good. You know, and we, I like it when people just turn up and straight out of the box, they're quick because it adds for more competition. You know, I say it with Ansgar quite a lot, is we can't keep doing what we're doing if we don't get new blood in there. And this season has been great. We've had so much fresh blood coming in, so many different drivers coming in to give it a go. Um, And a lot lot on road courses, but a few coming over to the ovals as well. And it has really helped things out. I mean, we, we had some, like, Braden Martin, I think it was, coming last time. And, you know, but it's really nice to see you guys coming over there and actually giving it a bit of a go because we need new people coming in to actually help keep everything yeah. going and seeing you guys do well and having good races is, is fantastic because it's it's enjoyable for me because you know i get to pay you out for it but um <laughs> this I'm is why i don't dirty drive. About talladega don't worry i'm still <laughs> dirty about that i was um, in, in that with a shot anyway bring pete, back super speedways ha- pete wasn't happy about my um foray no, over and onto the charlotte roval <laughs> yeah no, very, we're... very annoyed i might question be is... the reason your internet's keep on cutting it in and out i might have paid someone to do that <laughs> my question is are we going to see you on an oval next i did some practice at miami Took a photo yesterday. of his own car uh, and everything i did a full fuel stint so 
Um, so maybe, maybe we'll see how we go. <laughs> That's okay. Wilco, yeah, you can absolutely wreck him on the ovals. You, you'll have. I haven't practiced You've got the experience so, now. Uh, but we are Tim Corn. She will be joining us this week as well. So we could have a three car team. That means we could potentially lock out the podium, Brayden, if you pull your pull your weight. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, I I did I did do a few stint by myself around Miami Homestead, and I thought, oh, geez, I think I've done okay. My tire wear after almost fifty laps was only like. 68% or something. I was like, it's not the worst I've ever done uh, considering it. Then I thought, oh, I'll try and do an AI race. I can both times I tried to do it. I lasted two laps before I spun and I was like, well, <laughs> this is not for me at the moment. I'm going to give this a break because it was terrible. So yeah, you probably, if you, if I do turn up, you'll probably be coming to me spinning on the hey, second. That's what third, he did for me, Daytona. Lap, so. <laughs> I, I made a good little idiot of myself. So it's all good. Um, we are getting to the end of this, though. Is there any questions I've missed, Brayden? What is there something that we need to ask? Well, I was just going to say, have you got any tips for Pete? Because, you know, I, I came over and did the Roval course and almost stole the top 10 happy. and he wasn't very happy. So have you got got any Have you got any tips for him? Yeah, don't do what <laughs> I do. Um, that's, that's the best tip I can give you. Um, look, generally, look, for oval racing, it's just get yourself in a comfortable spot. Just don't push too hard too early because you're going to end up getting caught in an incident. It's it's the same as I say for any form of racing. Is like If you go a bit too hard too fast, you can't win a race on the first lap. You can only lose it. And that's the thing I see for a lot of people. On ovals especially, you've got to be careful of those first lap portions. You've got to be careful of early cautions. So just trying to keep out of trouble and knowing who you're racing against is important because there are a few drivers that might have an incident <laughs> yep. a little bit earlier than some others. And you generally start <laughs> to know who they are and just keeping an eye on where they are in the field. You can sort of just position yourself to avoid incidents. Um, I, I, a big shout out to Matty Raymond because he's one of those oh, drivers that can just avoid accidents. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Doesn't qualify, in. sits at the end, and I, I sit there going, okay, I'm at the back. I can work my way in here. I can get the hard charge reward or whatever it is. Oh, no, Matty Raymond's back here with me. He's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Last, Last first. night in the I trucks, there was a massive incident in front of him, and somehow he just managed to avoid it all. There was like about <laughs> 10 cars all the way across the track, millimetres away from him, and he just avoids damage. He just sails yeah. through there and it's just like, yep, yeah, that's fine. Um, and you do sort of get that idea of when a crash is coming as well. And that's something that comes yeah. with a bit of time. Um, it's something that I'm quite good at, I guess, quite good at noticing is when somebody's getting a little bit on the ragged edge. And you can see it in oval racing when the back end just starts stepping out a little bit, when it starts wiggling that little bit. That's mm -hmm. usually just before an incident's going to come. So when you start seeing that, just ease off a little bit, just make a little bit of a gap, maybe get a couple of people between yourself and them, <laughs> and then wait for the crash to happen and Some try and avoid it sacrificial drivers just go yeah. on there if you go ahead um now I'm, I'm having the same problem at uh skips at the moment i, I know who's going to crash and i know that they're going to crash into me and i even know what corner they're going to crash into me but they still crash into me so yeah um it didn't happen last week with someone else so that's okay we'll talk about that on the broadcast proper um nothing else uh who should we get on the podcast next give us a give us an idea Oh, God. Um, well, you've had Stuart. You've had Ed. Those are my two sort of picks straight okay. away. So you've, you've had everybody I know in that respect. Uh, it's pretty tricky. I mean, like, there are so many great people out there and a lot on the broadcasting side as well. Like, it's nice to see you guys actually interested in the broadcast aspect, you know, with commentators and things like that. And thank you very much for that. Um, I, honestly, honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Just say Nim Cross from iRacing and we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, Nim Cross from iRacing. <laughs> there you go. Cool. We'll, we'll get on that. We'll make that happen for you. How's that sound? Uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, so that's the end. Of, let's just wrap it up now because we're into my new world time and I need to go back and play new world. Uh, where can people find yourself and your commentary stuff? Uh, plug it all. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me, my, my personal stuff, if you're interested in military history and me waffling on for about seven hours about why a British plane made in 1939 is slightly better than an American plane made in 1942 uh, over at Screezilla, S-K-R-E. 
E-Z-I-L-L-A, um, uh, YouTube channel there. And that's my social media account, things like that. Um, of course, FGM Ecast, Ferguson Group Media, that's where I'll be broadcasting and commentating from. So those two main places. Um, can you give and... us any hints on what he's got planned for next year? He said there was some big stuff in the works. What Can you, can you drop hints now? I wish I could. He doesn't tell me anything. I, I, I'm, I literally just turn up there and just told to talk. That's my okay. job. It's great. Fine. It's, uh... Whatever. <laughs> no, we're, we're trying to do a few more, just making a little bit more personality for drivers. Um, in the Cup series, we've been interviewing the Cup drivers mm-hmm. this year and getting a little bit of a, similar to this, I guess, having a bit of a yeah. chat with them and getting a little bit of our personalities out and stuff like that. So that's definitely something we want to try for next year and a few more highlights packages and things like that. Things to make watching the racing a little bit easier for people. Okay. Sounds good. And any other places people can find you? Uh, well, I mean, those are my two real things. I mean, okay. um, yeah, in Discord, you'll see me lurking around. Feel free to grab me and send me a message if ever you have any questions there, of course. But yeah, you, my YouTube channel. Other than that, that's about all I have. Okay. And Braden, mate, I see you're getting some videos up at the moment. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, I have been chucking up some races on YouTube. So that's over at uh, youtube.com slash the 1D Wade. Uh, I've been streaming a little bit. So twitch.tv slash the 1D Wade. And you can hear me ramble about some kind of sport of some sort on Twitter. Uh, what have we got? NBA season should be kicking off soon. So probably talking about that. Or, uh, or the cricket um, at Braden Talks. There you go. You can find all our stuff at Locked On Lads on YouTube. No, Locked On Lads YT on YouTube. Locked On Lads on Facebook. Locked On Lads on Twitch. Locked On Lads on Twitter. All those places like that. Locked On Lads on Facebook. Send us a message if you've got any ideas of who you want to get on or if you're interested in coming on the podcast through Locked On Lads uh, Facebook page or direct DM in Discord. You'll find me on there as Wilco or contact us at lockdownlads.com. Thank you. Big shout out to everyone who helped us raise $1,256 on the weekend uh, for the Mark Hughes Foundation. It was a really good effort and congratulations to that team who got fifth in the Petit Le Mans uh, for Locked On Racing. Really good job, you, t- you three. So uh, that's the main places you can find us. We've got some big stuff coming up and thank you everyone who especially in Australia who's downloaded the podcast uh, in the six months we've been doing it. 5,000 downloads was a huge mark for us to hit uh, in, in the first six months. So thank you, everyone, who did that. Thank you, Carl, for joining us yet again. You are a legend. We will have you on again soon, and people will be able to hear you wrapping up Anne's courage and every week anyway. So thank you, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.